you can invite one BYU player or coach over for Thanksgiving dinner, who are you extending the invitation to? I'd really like to have Dennis Pitta over, but only if Jerem comes to. Oh, that'd be the best. We'd be great. The millions of turkeys who gave their lives. Uh... <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. ESPN college football insider, analyst, and expert, not to mention a BYU national champion, Trevor Maddich. Trevor, welcome back to the program. BYU now 9-2. They do enough to beat Georgia Southern in kind of a hard-fought, hostile environment. What would you think of BYU's performance against Georgia Southern? Uh, it was a little sloppy in the beginning, and then they came out in the second half and did what ranked teams do. They totally controlled the game. And by the way, did you guys enjoy your burritos? Absolutely. <laughs> I got was, a few things thrown uh, on me, Trevor, not just burritos. It, but, it was an interesting experience. I bet you did. Wow. Listen, when we were at Utah my senior year, they threw rolls and nickels at us. So oh. I just feel part of the club see, now. Was my senior year or freshman year? One of the two. Anyway, they, they, they were throwing things that was like, bang off your helmet it was loud up there burritos would just go thud not that big of a deal so that's uh, although i'll tell you what if i were if i were coach sataki at the end when they were taking these because you guys know i mean with about eight minutes to go byu just basically ran out the clock all the way to the end and with less than two minutes to go they were in victory formation and georgia southern's defense committed two personal fouls while byu was just trying to kneel on the ball by driving forward they took the helmet off of joe tukuapu uh, and, you know, all kinds of things, two penalties. Now they're down at the six-yard line. If I'm BYU, I line up in victory formation and then throw a touchdown pass. <laughs> then I go for two. That's 42 points, right? Then I would have sent 42 burritos to the Georgia Southern locker room after the game with a big thank you note, right? And I'd have gathered them up off the sideline and sent them. That's what I would have done. You know, Coach Sataki took the high road and he, and he, and he did the classy thing. But for me, sometimes you got to put a, a size 16 boot in their back and grind them into the mud, and that was the time to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Really feel. I'm with you there. Yeah. I was mad that BYU didn't score again. I was like, go score again. Like, yeah. Yes, I wanted to score. Go ahead, Trump. Well, what did you want, Jared? No, no, no. no. Yeah, you were getting fired up there. I'm just – I'm tired of the Sun Belt on the road. I really am. Coastal Carolina – Pieces of work last year, Georgia Southern throwing burritos at the guys. Yeah. Tom Homo, you know we the, don't need to play the Sun Belt on the road ever again. My, my, my decision to go ahead and go for that touchdown, go for two, and send the 42 burritos to the locker room, <laughs> that's based on pure sheer logic. But when your guys' emotion dies down, you're gonna, <laughs> you'll decide and you'll see that Coach Taki did the right thing because this has become a famous thing around – college football this week you know with all the burritos and everything else adds to it and everyone will see that BYU took the high road that's the way you're supposed to do it so when you guys calm down you'll see that <laughs> my decision would have been logic that's, pure logic not yeah, emotional at all you're right we need to take some deep breaths here in studio yeah, B okay I, I've okay. never been logical or <laughs> I would have scored and I would have gone for two yes yeah, really and then an onside kick not winning him to humiliate you and you're doing yeah. this really yeah what else was right. thrown well, at you hey. oh you know I had uh, some adult beverages thrown on me it was you know it was it was an interesting experience really? yeah for right. sure okay. uh, did you have to 
Did you have to go see the bishop? I, you know what? I felt like it because it's, I, it smelled interesting on my jacket the rest of the game. But you know what? I was told that I was in the clear for that. So it's all reports good. Were, yeah, don't different. get pulled over. And don't light a match, by the way. <laughs> this is great advice. Trevor Maddich is with us on BYU Sports Nation. After all of that madness, Trevor, and BYU's 17-point win against Georgia Southern, the Cougars do climb a spot in the AP poll to number 13, but – we all know that the college football playoff poll matters most. What do you expect to happen with BYU in the college football playoff poll after a wild weekend? They, they have a chance to move up, and they should move up. I mean, that was a good win for BYU, especially the way they finished that game. So I think they'll move up. The question is, will they have enough juice to move up into probably the top 10 will be necessary in order to get a New Year's Six bid? Because that's kind of what the idea is right now. Is that a possibility? And if you, if you look at where they are now, of course, the new ranking comes out. But here's the things that would need to happen in BYU's favor. First, they have to beat USC. It would be good if they beat them convincingly. And while USC has got some problems, they're still a very dangerous team. So that's not a given. But Oregon just lost to Utah. So BYU fans were Utah fans, and it worked. Way to cheer for the Utes. Now cheer for them again so that Oregon loses another game. And Oregon also has the rivalry game with Oregon State so that that's a possible loss but Oregon needs to pick up another loss to drop down below BYU maybe two Michigan State needs to lose hopefully badly for BYU fans to Penn State in the last game of the regular season and that may drop them below BYU Oklahoma State needs to make sure that that they bounce Oklahoma out of there because right now in last week's poll Oklahoma was ahead of BYU and then BYU can't get jumped by Wisconsin Last week in the ranking, BYU at 14, Wisconsin at 15. And Wisconsin is right now one of the hottest teams in America with a defense that statistically is playing on par with Georgia's defense. And so Wisconsin, BYU has to make sure they don't get jumped. But if all those things happen, there's a possibility BYU could move up close enough to be considered for a New Year's Six Bowl. That's for the fans to think. It's for analysts and pundits to think. The team isn't thinking that. They've got to be thinking about those Trojans. Uh, I love just the, okay, if all this happens, then this. Uh, it's Hopefully it all happens. That'd be amazing. It happened in 1984. It certainly yeah. did. All that happened in 1984. You know what else happened all in 84? BYU yeah. was undefeated. BYU's got two losses. It's yeah, just well, a, that's it's, true, too. It's different. BYU didn't lose the Boise State. Yeah. Uh. Uh, too soon, still. Um, okay, the Nakua. I know. I love the, the Puka Nakua play where he... Uh, shoves a dude right in the face after Samson gets pushed. Mm -hmm. This didn't happen at the end of halftime last year against Coastal Carolina. Sunbelt. What is it with the Sunbelt again? Um, you've talked about the aggression of the receivers, mostly in actually catching the ball. But do the Nakua's, to me, uh, Trevor, they epitomize the difference of this team versus many other BYU teams. The toughness, the fight, the juice. They brought it. I think that's partially why BYU's 9-2 and two, and maybe not 7-4 and four at this point. What do you think of the Nakua's and that play and what they brought to this team? I loved it that Puka did that. I just absolutely loved it. If the game were close, if it were a game that they couldn't afford to have a penalty, then you have to just eat that. But in the moment, it was the right thing to do. And the reason is that Georgia Southern was trying to do that back to them. Now, you can't just retaliate and get in trouble. Normally, you let them lose their composure. You don't lose yours. But I did not see that as Puka losing composure. I saw that as him coming to the defense of his brother. And I think all the team saw the same thing. And they're all brothers. I mean, everybody as much as Puka and Samson are. And so I'm not advocating for committing personal foul penalties. You know, I got punched in the head a lot on the football field, and I never retaliated because I knew it was going to be 15 yards on them 
yay, we win, right? But there comes a time when you got to put your boot in their back and grind them into the mud. And that was a moment where brother needed to come to the defense of brother. I hope they don't do it again because it could hurt them in the game. But in that moment, it was the right thing because you're right. I mean, early on, Georgia Southern came out as the the chippy team and BYU just kind of muddled through it a little bit until BYU kind of lit on fire. And so I, I, I want to say again, I don't condone committing personal fouls. You're best off just, just eating that and the next play beating them into the ground. But there's a time when you got to push back. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is with us on another Maddich Monday as part of BYU Sports Nation's coverage. Trevor, when I look at the bowl scenario, I know BYU is slated for the Independence Bowl right now. In they haven't Newport, accepted Louisiana. yet. They have not accepted. And then I'm looking at a scenario in the Big 12 with a team like Texas, who is now not going to be bowl eligible after losing to West Virginia. And I'm doing the math and thinking, okay, well, I know the Big 12 is going to have an open spot for one of those bowl games. If BYU goes 10-2 and and they're a top 15 team, is it not in ESPN's best interest to elevate BYU to a different bowl game? What do you think? It would be in, in the broadcast, the ESPN's interest, I believe. It would be definitely in the Bulls' interest to get BYU in there because BYU is a team that moves the needle. Texas is a team that moves the needle. But right now, that needle just poked them in the ear, and they're not going anywhere in the postseason. So having BYU is a, is a real boon. It's also a boon for the community because BYU fans show up. And it's not good for hotels so much because I think BYU fans don't don't need to travel <laughs> because they're already there, right? But BYU fans will travel. I mean, it was interesting. The uh, the uh, my freshman year at BYU, we played SMU in the Holiday Bowl, and that was the Miracle Bowl where Jim McMahon threw that touchdown with no time left on the clock to Gordon Hudson to win the game. That was just a, the Miracle Bowl. What happened on that one was that a ton of BYU fans had come down from Provo to San Diego. And we were getting beat by 20 points with four minutes to go. So a lot of them left. They're driving up I-15. They don't have the radio on. BYU got waxed by a really good SMU team as far as they were concerned. And they didn't realize that BYU had come back to win that game until the next day when they read the paper, right? So BYU fans travel. They've always traveled. And then they come from local and buy tickets. And that's the important thing. So you'll get guys in hotels. You'll get restaurants good and hopefully not the bars. And you'll get fans in the seats. And you'll get viewers on TV. These are things that that are uh, that make BYU attractive for any bowl game. Trevor, it's great to speak with you every week. We're looking forward to another fantastic week of college football with Ohio State, Michigan, of course, BYU and USC. And we'll make sure that we get those 42 burritos sent over to Georgia Southern. Well, 34 now because we didn't Coach score. Enough for did two. not go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, so 34, that was BYU's <laughs> final point total. Send them over there with a very nice note and say, we really appreciate you. Thanks, uh, we consider you to be our, our reverent brothers. Yeah. And BYU, reverent on Sundays, not so much on Saturdays. <laughs> Trevor, great to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. ESPN's Trevor Maddich, 34 burritos. That's right, because that was the final point tally. <sighs> so you had liquor spill on you. Nice. You, you and Max Hall, huh? It was great. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. And you know what? When I called him out and uh, went and got my security guard buddy on the sideline, amazingly nobody wanted to fess up to it. How about that? Did someone just straight pour it, or was it like shaking? Yep. Oh yeah, shake like yeah. thrown in my direction. Oh, thrown in your yeah, direction. and then okay. it hit my jacket. And I just yeah. looked up and I was like, really? Well, looks like they got really? my Venmo. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. 
You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. An epic Saturday. Jerem, let's start with women's cross country early on Saturday morning. In the morning, the women take second. Whitney Orton wins the individual cross country national championship, last race of her uh, you know, college career there in cross country, and she wins. It's awesome. It was such a big deal. My mom called me. She's like, Whitney Arden. It was Amazing. awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Congratulations to Whitney. And the women finished second. Amazing as a team. Congrats. It was Her awesome. Final race. And again, Whitney is incredible, but she was definitely not the favorite in this race. No. She kind of, she didn't come out of nowhere, but she came from kind of behind the pack, if you will, before the race to, uh, to win, which is so awesome. So congratulations. Um, to Whitney Orton on the, on the championship. We will speak with Whitney yeah. later in the program. Just half of the national champions after that Super Saturday. Connor Mance defended his individual national championship in cross country, holding off incredible runners. And he said that he just has the ability to endure pain and suffering better than most which is crazy. He also said, yeah, I got so, uh, when I got out in front, I was able to enjoy the last 100 yards. Who enjoys the last 100 yards of a sprint 10K? I mean, that's insane. Six-ish miles, right? Um, just, he, he, and he pulled away from the pack in an incredible way in the final 1K. And uh, congratulations to Connor, man. And that, uh, that mustache yes, gets it done. Let's talk about that because... Uh, one of my favorite sportscasters in all the land, John Anderson, dubbed Connor Mance's mustache a glorious lip sweater. And I think we should call it that from now on. A lip Connor sweater. Mance's glorious lip sweater. That's hilarious. It will visit Studio B later today. Unless yeah. you shaved it off, but I can't imagine you would I shave it off after that run. Doubt it. Okay, and then, and then the third national championship was the men's soccer team, which is a club. And they beat Texas 3-1. Everyone's beating Texas. Kansas football, BYU men's soccer. Congratulations. The 10th club national championship for BYU. The Cougars are awesome. I would love one day for BYU men's soccer to be an NCAA sport. Perhaps that's something in the future. Perhaps it's not. And I know people are awesome. asking, well, hey, what about the uh, jump up to a Power 5 conference? The Big 12 does not play men's soccer. But they could be in another league, just like the MPSF is for men's volleyball. Yes, that's but, what it so would take. The, the conference isn't the issue. It's whether BYU wants to add another women's sport and men's sport, because that's what you'd have to do. Three national but championships. But that's, that's besides the point. That, congratulations to men's soccer. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, then we move into the afternoon. BYU women's basketball entered the day undefeated and were hosting Boise State, then proceeded to route the Broncos by 44. 84 to 40. You called the game. Yeah, I was bored. Here's what it sounded like. Mosley goes to the ground, tipped away. Gonzalez comes out with it, goes to the right hand again. Shaley Gonzalez, first player in the game into double figures with 11. It was 38 to 25 in the third quarter. Yeah, and then BYU just exploded. Uh, Nani Falatea, freshman guard. You've seen her in person a couple times. She can shoot games. it. Dude, four of four from three. Didn't five five from the field. She was great, man. It was uh it was good. I wish the football team had done the same thing against Boise State, but anyway. A little payback. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like payback, but yeah. BYU women's basketball more than doubles up Boise State. They're now 5-0, and and they're going to be flirting with the top 25 very soon. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, man. Really good team. Okay, women's volleyball. 
wins the West Coast Conference Championship. Didn't actually need to play the match to do it because, uh, you know, they had clinched right before the match. But beat St. Mary's in four. And women's volleyball is 27-1, 20-match win streak. San Diego, Tuesday, on the road in the Slim Gym to finish the regular season. WCC champs. Probably going to host first and second round of the NCAA tournament on December 3rd and 4th and then have to go on the road for the Sweet 16, assuming the Cougars get there, and they will. So BYU had a chance to run the table in the West Coast Conference in 2018 and lost the final regular season match at LMU. Mm-hmm. Now at San Diego. McKenna Miller. So they've got to exercise some demons. Yes. Exorcise with an O. BYU Women's Volleyball on top of the West Coast Conference. The best yeah, of baby. the West Coast Conference. Yeah, baby. By the way, the moment Texas leaves the, w, uh, the Big 12, because they're like the number one or two team in the country all year, BYU's going to go win the Big 12 soon. Like, like as soon as Texas is gone. I know BYU wants to win it when Texas is in there. Absolutely. Okay, let's push pause on the Super Saturday recap because we have a little bit of breaking news okay. on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation breaking news. The BYU men's basketball team in the newest AP poll, number 18. 18, okay, nice, nice. Last week, uh, you know, Shep said 17, you and I said 18 or 19. So, yeah, right in that same range of what we thought. 18, baby! Let's go. Men's Hoops is going to stay in the top 20. Here's my hot take on this. Men's Hoops will stay in the top 25 the whole year. The rest of the year, BYU will stay Wow. That would be something. It's tough to do in a sport that has so much parity and so many more games. There's just a lot of movement. BYU uh, is going to lose maybe one game in non-con. Oregon, by the way, who was number 12 when BYU beat them by 32 points, fell out of the rankings. Oh. And they probably should after a (laughs) 32-point de facto home loss in Portland to BYU, who was unranked at the time. Connor Mance has lost the mustache. Jason Shepard was in the airport he with the Mance. Mustache. They met up in like Atlanta or something. He shaved the mustache. Okay. It's gone. <gasps> well, maybe, maybe this is a thing. We'll ask him about it. Maybe this is a thing where like after you win the national championship, Kate, you just start over again and then you, you grow another mustache. the lip sweater. He's <sighs> not growing another one. Glorious, while, that glorious lip sweater. <laughs> For the natty. <laughs> in like 20 years, his kids will be like, why did you have a mustache, Dad? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, back to our chronological recap of the super stupendous, sensational Saturday of BYU Athletics. After women's volleyball won a WCC title, we go to football now. Oh, BYU yeah, that. beat Georgia Southern 34-17 with a dominant second-half performance. They shut out the Eagles on their home field in the second half. Puka Nakua, well, went beast mode in more than one way. 83 yards, two touchdowns. In fact, let's take a look at that memorable second touchdown catch that really iced the game. They go for the end zone to Puka. Puka makes the catch, turns back to the ball. He's got a touchdown! Touchdown, Puka Nakua! Jaron Hall to Puka for the second time today, and the celebration flag will fly with 10.38 to go. The Cougs put another one on the board, 33-17 with the PAT pending. Okay, there was this mystery about why Puka drew a penalty after that. He lifted up his shirt, and people were like, what was on his shirt? I was like, you know what, I'm going to go find out. So at that point, I hurried down from the press box, went and found the Nakua brothers on the sideline. I said, hey, everybody across Cougar Nation wants to know what was on your shirt. He's like, oh, okay. Holds it up. He's like, it's just a T-shirt that he and his brother have for name, image, and likeness. Yeah, yeah. So, and they convened, the referees did, and took away 
the penalty, else Puka would have been ejected and not been eligible to play in the USC game. Kalani brought that up after the game. I thought that was a poignant, uh, you know, topic. There is, oh my gosh, that would have been bad. <laughs> no Puka Nagua. By the way, no Peyton Wilgar is a huge loss for BYU's defense. That's a bummer, man. We he noticed did, that on he Saturday. Did say I'll be back, Cougar Nation, which to me is I'll be back next year at, at BYU, which is a great thing. I hate that he got hurt, but there was a chance that maybe he'd go pro. So. Feels like he's come back, but who knows? Shoulder surgery, four to six months recovery yeah. expected for that. Labrum. Jaron Hall, 17 to 29. He was dynamite again, 312 yards, two touchdowns. Tyler Algier goes for over 100 yards rushing. And Jacob Robinson, mm-hmm. player of the game. Two interceptions. He's now tied with Malik Moore for the team lead. Three interceptions. Jacob Robinson. Yeah, th- th- that one right there was incredible. Um, and again, th- the role of turnovers. And takeaways, BYU is 9-0 and when positive in the margin. All nine wins, BYU is positive. This team has taken care of the ball and made itself better than it probably was going to be in an average season, meaning where BYU turns it over more and doesn't take it away as much. Okay, 2016 is 9-4 and because the offense struggles at times, but the defense had 31 takeaways. So they're a 9-4 and team that should have been an 11-2 and team because the offense should have been better with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. But uh, props to this team for taking care of the ball. Jaron Hall still only three picks. Incredible. And then uh, and BYU as a team, only three picks all year offensively. And then defensively, 14. Amazing. BYU up to number 13 in the latest AP poll. What will they do in the latest college football playoff rankings when that poll is revealed tomorrow evening? By the way, I accidentally called Jacob Justin Robinson. And I was like, nice. now what you don't know, Jacob, is that there was a defensive back at BYU when I was in school named Justin Robinson. With a similar size. Yeah. Yep. yep. So I was like, I, I, apologize, I apologize for calling him Justin And then he Justin threw a burrito Robinson. at you. <laughs> okay, game of the day, though, is women's soccer. Oh, we've saved women's the best for last. Women's soccer! Yeah! Unbelievable. Okay. okay, I start the radio broadcast with men's hoops, and I said, consider me distracted. There are 15 seconds left in this game, and I'm just watching as BYU wins. Virginia was... Top five, like, all year. Number one for a bunch of the year. The number one overall seed in the tournament. They're incredible. BYU wins on their home field. Thanks to Cameron Tucker. Tucker looking for the steal. Tripped up. No foul was called. And now Cam gets a pass from Coolahan. Cameron in the box. A shot with the right foot. Finds the back of the net. Cameron Tucker in full stride. And bend it in. And that goal sends BYU to the Elite Eight, the NCAA quarterfinals, which BYU hosts on Saturday at 7 Eastern. TBD TV details. Of course, we've put in a bid to do the game. We're hoping to find that out on Wednesday. Um, tickets go on sale Tuesday at 10 a.m. BYU is going to play South Carolina, who's an unseeded team, who's really good out of the SEC, who took out North Carolina in the first round. But still, a home game where BYU is favored to get to the College Cup, the Final Four, where BYU has never been. It will have taken tw- – I've already thought about what I'm going to say if and when BYU wins. Oh, my goodness. With Jennifer Rockwood. I've scripted it in my mind already like Jim Nance at the NCAA championship game, okay? <laughs> I'm so excited about it because Saturday is now loaded, bro. You're going to be at the Coliseum, BYU against USC, who just gave up 62 to UCLA, by the way. Holy shit. Huge game for BYU to close out what they hope was a 10-win season and keep any hopes of a big-time bowl game alive. What? The Independence Bowl isn't big enough for you? Men's hoops at Utah. And then right before those two, women's soccer. Ah, Saturday. Cannot wait. Congratulations to women's soccer. There are so many layers to the soccer game. We all knew going into the game that 
this window of opportunity for BYU to potentially host and get to a Final Four was there. But standing in the way is the team that knocked them out of the tournament in the Ugh. spring, the number one overall seed yes. at their place. And it's the step that BYU, in a lot of ways, throughout so much success, has not been able to climb. And that's like getting the huge win, yes. an upset win in the tournament. Yes, uh, against Santa Clara in the early 2000s, against Stanford um, you know, in 2019. Yes, now North BYU, Carolina in 2012. Now BYU's done it. Now BYU can beat a South Carolina squad that's 14-6-1, that has some big wins, but also hasn't given up a goal in the NCAA tournament either. So it's going to be a fun matchup Saturday night, man. Massive opportunity. Okay? We're not done with women's soccer because one of the greatest to ever play BYU women's soccer, Ashley Hatch, won an NWSL championship with yeah. the Washington Spirit over the Chicago Red Stars. She's the Golden Boot winner. She's essentially first-team All-Pro in the NWSL, Ashley Hatch. Amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, this just in from BYU Men's Soccer. Lip sweaters are the standard for winning natties, Whitney Orton being the exception, of course, because they had they called it stashnals. They all had oh, stashes, too. Stashnals. So congrats to men's soccer. And then men's hoops, of course. Number 18 in the AP poll we just mentioned just came out, uh, defeated Central Methodist 97-61. Alex Barcelo was knocking down threes in the first half. Again. It sounded like this. Tijon Lucas into the lane, right hand looking for somebody, throws back to Alex Marcello, 30 feet out. Wow! Oh, baby! Alex Marcello, the sniper! I had fun calling that on the radio, by the way. I'm the third string there. That was fun. He just He's incredible. so many big shots. Like, uh, whatever. Like, it's comical how easy it is for him in those critical situations. How good of a three-point shooter yeah. he is. Not a critical situation per se. But uh, against Sorry, time Methodist. winding down. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. All right, Alex Barcelo takes ah! care of business. BYU basketball. That was an amazing up to Saturday. number eighteen, and we have now officially recapped Saturday. <laughs> you ready to go home? I'm, yeah, let's, let's go grab some of these burritos. Let's go celebrate. We warm up some of these burritos in everywhere. the microwave. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. How about two national champions, both in Studio B, to recap an unforgettable and national championship winning weekend. Oh. Whitney Orton, Connor Mass, congratulations, <laughs> yeah. you two. Yeah. You got the the champs are in too. Studio B. Pretty awesome. You brought your trophies. Okay, uh, Whitney, let's start with you because you were the first to race and you come away in your final collegiate race with that national championship. What does that mean to you to go out with that statement? Um, yeah, I feel like it was just kind of, honestly, a perfect ending. It felt, that's what it felt like to me, which was very, very special, especially with Coach T and the team. Like, I don't know. It was a special team, and it was, I don't know. There was just a lot. There's a lot leading up to that, a lot of ups and downs, and then to end like that was very special. So. When did you realize, I'm going to win the national championship? Uh, I tried, like, I was thinking that in my mind before it was over. And I was like, okay, like, you can't think about that too soon. I had no idea, like, where anyone was behind me, so. You're not like Connor where you look back? <laughs> no, I don't ever do that. I should do that, though. So I don't want to look back and see him closer and be like, oh, no, <laughs> you know. But, um, yeah, I... I did think about it for a second, and then I just had to, like, reflip, like, okay, you're actually not done running. Like, you need to go faster. <laughs> like, go faster now and finish the race. You can actually win. <laughs> it would be really sad if someone just got you right at the end, you know, but, yeah. 
<laughs> Incredible. Penguich, Utah represent. Yeah. In Studio yeah. B, Whitney Orton. Okay, Connor, uh, I love that you said that you were able to enjoy the last 100 yards of your national championship run. And my question is, does anybody in the history of humankind enjoy the last 100 meters of a 10K sprint? That's incredible. I would hope everybody enjoys it. <laughs> maybe if they don't, maybe they're picking the wrong sport, you know? Yeah, Jared Ward has talked about, yeah, I, I hate marathons. They're hard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he picked the wrong sport. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So, what was that like for you emotionally as you're bearing down knowing that you're going to win back-to-back titles and do so in the same calendar year? Yeah, that was... It was tough. I, I think, like, I mean, you, didn't, you never know if you're going to win until you, after you cross that finish line. Uh, you, you get hopeful, but, like, in the race, it's just like, okay, like, I can win this, but I just have to make sure, like, I stay, um, I don't know, stay on doing the same uh, progress and everything, just, like, I don't know, focus on the little things I need to at the moment and not focus on the result. And so... I don't know, in the race, I was just nervous. and uh, Before the race, I was nervous. In the race, I was like, okay, just stay in the moment, stay in the moment. Don't think, like, what if I finish this way or what if I finish that way? Because it's easy to have those little thoughts come into your mind and think, oh, if I win this, like, that's going to be awesome. Or, hey, if I finish 10th, that'll, that'll be fine. Or, hey, if I take dead last, that'll suck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just never know. So you're thinking on that during the race? Uh, sometimes, for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not, you're not supposed to be thinking about that during the yeah. race. <laughs> you have 20 to 30 minutes to think about whatever. It's not like you can throw in some uh, AirPods or whatever, right? Uh, Just jam to some rush or something. Okay. You go back to back, and then in the in the final uh, 1K there, you you made your move. Talk right. about that moment that ended up being when you won the race. Yeah. So uh, with about a thousand meters to go, um, there's a bunch of guys in the in contention. There's about three of us, and then some guy from from well behind us comes up and just passes us all and Campbell like, yeah Campbell guy um and he passes us all and we're like oh crap like this guy's moving and then he slowed down and we're like oh okay like that's it like he's gone so we passed him and we're running up this hill and like don't see him again and then as soon as we crest the hill he has and I had to rewatch the video because I was like man I thought we'd like drop he dropped back a lot and he had and then as soon as we hit the hill he caught back up and then as soon as we crested he passed us again and it was like, man, this guy's this guy's flying. Like, I'm like, just gotta go with him, you know. If if I can't, if this pace is too quick, like, I'll just at the end, you know, if I fall or if anything happens, like, that's it, like, whatever. But at least I can go for it. And then, um, yeah, we were we were sprinting for a good like 200 meters. It was if it was a 200 meter sprint, 500 meters out. And so the last 300 meters, he he kept looking back at me. He's just like, is this guy still here? Is this guy still here? Thinking I wasn't gonna be there. And uh, then he slowed down, like, just a little bit. And I was like, okay, if he's slowing down, that means he's tired. I have to pass him now. Because mm. nothing's de- more demoralizing than, uh, than being really tired and then seeing somebody just fly right by uh-huh. you. So um, did that and then kept looking back to make sure he's, he's not coming back. So. And no one was coming back. You've won back-to-back, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you defended it. What, what was that like for you to win it once? That's amazing. But the pressure was on you to win it again. You delivered. Yeah, I mean, it meant a lot. That wasn't, It was tough because it was like before the race, it's like, okay, like everyone's expecting me to win this, and I'm expecting it of myself. But usually I just have the internal pressure I put on myself, mm. um, not the pressure that, you know, comes with interviews of where people are like, okay, so like you're a favorite coming in. How are you feeling? Um, it wasn't like I had to go out there and prove um, 
myself for the first time was like, oh, I got to show like I'm consistently good. So I don't know. It meant a lot. Even I think that was one of the toughest races just because of that whole mental sure. aspect. Sure. Yeah. The mental gymnastics there. Connor Manson, Whitney Orton with us on BYU Sports Nation. For the record, you've both demoralized a lot of people on those scenarios. <laughs> so congratulations on that yes, as yeah. well. Yeah. Whitney, I want to talk about the emotional side for you. How long did it take to set in for you to realize what you had actually accomplished? Like, when did that really start to sink in? Um, I feel like it's still kind of sinking in. It hasn't been that long, but um, yeah, definitely you can feel, you feel, you feel it when you cross the line, you know, you feel what you did a little bit. And I am not an emotional person. Like, I don't cry. Like, it's really hard to make me cry. (laughs) usually (laughs) and I was emotional and I like hugged the guy that like he was like I don't even want to hug you but I was like I'm hugging somebody like I was just so like so happy (laughs) like like you watch the like a race official or something yeah like the first person I saw I was like like, he's like keep going (laughs) he's like what are you doing I'm like you know what I needed a hug okay (laughs) but um yeah it's still sinking in for sure and yeah I don't know. Sure. It's, it's, a, it's, yeah, a, lot, it's really a lot to hard. take in. And your Look. team finishes second. And you guys took yeah. second, which is great. Incredible. Mm-hmm. So what was that like to celebrate your individual national championship? And then while it wasn't a team national title and you didn't repeat there, you still finished second. What was that like for you? It's incredible because, I don't know, to do that, like, three years, three years of top two, yes. pretty incredible, honestly. And North Carolina was just they were they were so good this year. So for us to fight the way that we did, like right after the race, I don't even know how everyone's race went out, you know, because I'm focusing on my own race. And so you finish and you're like, I don't know if you're happy or sad. So you're like trying to like gauge how to like interact with your team and stuff. But um, when we all like sat down and talked about it and really discussed like what happened, we were like, that was that was incredible. Like they fought so hard. So. It was really cool to be a part of that and to go back and watch it and be a part of it. So, 1988, last year, the same school produced two individual winners, and you guys did it. So congratulations on the uh, national championships. What's next, by the way, for each of you, Connor? Then, uh, um, I'm still figuring it out. Um, might run a half marathon soon. Might just, I don't know, hope to sign with the shoe company soon enough. But nice. it's hard to, I don't know, hard to know right now. The answer is your next class, by the way. Oh, yeah. Wait, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. My, no, my next class got canceled, so. Oh, nice. Yes, nice. That's the biggest when win you, of all. When you win a win. national championship, you don't have to go to class. <laughs> Great. Yeah. What's next for you, Wendy? Um, we're going to Boston next week, next weekend. So. Nice. Doing a 5K there. So that'll be cool. Incredible. That's yeah. awesome. Running is in your futures. It is. <laughs> it's in your present. It's safe to say that. We're so thrilled for you, and uh, I hope you know and feel the love and passion behind uh, all Cougar fans for, for what cross country has done, you know, because you should feel it's it. Been it's been so it's fun. It's incredible yeah. what you've done. So, and no words can kind of encapsulate what you've pulled off. But we but do have a sausage burrito from McDonald's if you'd yes. like one. Here, Whitney, congratulations. <laughs> that's, that's probably a compliance issue. We can't actually do that. Never mind. Okay, thanks I, for coming well, in, we're guys. down with our eligibility, so... This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
Yesterday, I had the opportunity to speak with Jaron Hall, BYU starting quarterback, following his road trip to Georgia. On topic, why he changes perspective on football and how becoming a father and a husband changed that as well. This is BYU Sports Nation All Access with Jaron Hall. Jaron, it feels like just a couple of days ago we were talking in Georgia. Oh, that's because we were talking in Georgia after a win over the Eagles of Georgia Southern. But I think most people don't understand what it's like for you guys on the way back. What, what, what time do you get home on Sunday morning after those red-eye flights, specific when you're on the East Coast? Yeah, it's pretty late. Uh, luckily, it was a 4 o'clock game, 4 o'clock kickoff. So we got home about 1 o'clock. Um, some games has been 5, 6 o'clock the next morning. So, uh, yeah, 1 o'clock didn't, didn't feel too bad after thinking about the past games we've had. <laughs> All right, a 1 a.m. finish. What are those scenarios like with you being a new father and being a husband? What, what's that like? Because I imagine that your, your baby's not catering to your sleep schedule. I was, it was it's tough fighting the urge not to go in there and kiss her, wake her up, because uh, I know my wife would hurt me if I did because she had to deal with her all weekend. So I uh, just got to wait till the next morning to play with her and see her. So uh, now my wife's grace puts her to sleep, waits for me to come home. She's awake. Um, you know, tell me good job. And, and we just kind of hang out a little bit after being away for a couple of days. So it's, it's fun to go home to. It's a highlight of my night, honestly. Fantastic. How has being a husband and father changed the way you approach football? Yeah, I think I just got a lot more serious about it. Uh, just realizing there's a lot of potential to take care of my family through football, through a game I love. And what, what greater job can you have than being a, pro, a football player? You know, because that's what I love. So um, it's just helped me focus. Uh, it also helps me enjoy it a lot more, too. You know, no one wants to go home to or no no wife wants their husband to come home being angry and angry after work. It uh, happens a lot. But me, you know, football just it helps me stay, you know, grateful for what I have. And, you know, it just, just keeps me happy. And I think it keeps our home a lot happier than it could be. So. Jaron Hall is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Nine and two this season. You have a chance at 10 wins in the regular season going to USC in the Coliseum on Saturday. What comes to mind when I say USC football? History. Uh, beautiful stadium. A lot of fans. A lot of history. Great players. I mean, it's, a, it's a, one of the best um, football teams in the country as far as their history and the things they've done. Um, so they have a very talented team, and we're looking forward to this challenge for us this week. Yeah, and I think challenge is the appropriate word, although the general media might look at USC and say, quote-unquote, they're having a down year. How do you avoid a pitfall against a team that really, in a lot of ways, this is kind of like their bowl game because they're four and six? Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's, it's a trap to look at records. It's a trap to look at past games because a team that talented every year recruiting is – as highly as some of the best teams that are ranked currently this year. I mean, they always got top-notch talent, so we just got to look past the record. Um, we've had down years in the past. We've been better than we are, and I'm sure that's how they're feeling. So we just got to get prepared to, to play the best USC team that they can be, um, just get ready to execute, go play ball, and have fun. What do you know about USC's defense at this point? Uh, a good amount of returning starters, dudes that have played the last two years. Um, very big up front physical. Good linebacking core, uh, great ball instincts, you know, from the secondary. So they're a great team, man. Again, despite what people are saying, the general media, I mean, you look at it realistically from a football standpoint, they're a good team, so we got to be ready. Well, we, as far as your BYU media go, are certainly having some fun with the fact that BYU has enjoyed great success against the Pac-12, and you have an opportunity to run the table against five Pac-12 opponents this season if you beat USC. What would that mean to this program? 
I mean, it'd be it'd be a great accomplishment for us, you know, as an independent team. Um, just another great conference, a great football football team. So to us, that means we had a good year. We played good football. Um, that's really the best takeaway from us, you know, if we were to do that. How do you balance Thanksgiving week with family and your obligations there, and then staying focused on football? What walk me through your week? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be football first, honestly. Um, a big week like this, we got to finish out. It's, it could be easy to get distracted, eat a lot of food, a lot of pie. So you got to keep yourself to one slice, you know what I mean? Not too much turkey, mashed potatoes, got to stay light. So, uh, yeah, just, I mean, just being professional about it. Um, just telling yourself there's a lot of Thanksgivings down the road some other time. So we just got to <laughs> stay locked in. We still, still enjoy that time with our family. We'll practice in the morning and the coaches will give us time to go take care of our family time, which will be great. So, um, but just, you know, realizing after that night, we got to lock back in and, Get ready to travel play. Okay, if it's only one piece of pie, what's the selection for you, Jaron? Ah, uh, man. So it's usually it'd be my dad's homemade sweet potato pie. Woo! But since he's going to be, they're going to be traveling a day early to Vegas to have Thanksgiving with our family down there for the game. I will be having my sister-in-law's pistachio pie that she makes. It's uh, unreal. That's that's my one slice, pistachio <laughs> pie. It's the, Mark it down, one piece of pistachio pie for Jaron Haw. Tell you what, Jaron, when BYU beats USC, you can enjoy a second piece of pistachio pie. Is that fair? Hey, I'm going to enjoy two or three of them, maybe a whole pie after the game, if that's the case, for sure. <laughs> Jaron Hall is with us on BYU Sports Nation as the Cougars get ready for USC. Number 13 in the AP poll, the new college football playoff poll comes out tomorrow. Obviously, there's a shot, depending on what happens with teams above you, to maybe get into a New Year's Six game. What do you think about those pending scenarios with bowl games as you try and stay focused on the Trojans? Yeah, it can be easy to get lost in all that. But for us, understanding our situation as an independent team, a lot of things have to happen. So to think about that, you know, it's a trap again. So you just got to – we got to just not worry about any of that and just focus on playing our best. Because at the end of the day, that's the best thing for us if we're thinking about those scenarios. So, um, but, you know, inside these walls, we're not going to talk about it, think about it, just go ahead and – and do our best for this Saturday and just let that all work itself out. Jaron, it was an incredible Saturday for BYU athletics overall. Obviously, football is a big part of that, a 17-point win on the road. BYU women's soccer beats number one seeded Virginia into the Elite Eight, two national champions on cross country. Basketball teams route their opponents. Men's soccer wins a club national championship. Volleyball's got a conference title. What do you think about what's happening within BYU athletics as a whole right now? Amazing, man. I mean, all those sports, I don't know why you wouldn't want to come to, to Provo to play, man, to be a student. It's a beautiful place, beautiful atmosphere. You got the greatest fans in the world, for crying out loud. Um, I mean, it's a it's a good feeling of Provo right now. Happy Valley got a little happier, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah, smiles all around for sure. And you saw plenty of smiles in Georgia. For those that weren't at the game, how would you explain the welcome and the reception that you got from BYU fans in Georgia? Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. Uh, Kalani alluded to it. Malik talked about in his interview earlier. Um, Kalani mentioned the game, how amazing those fans were. These are the guys that stay up till 2 a.m. every night. We have the 8.15 kickoff in Provo. Um, they're up rowdy and loud when most people are asleep. So it's uh, it's amazing. And it was fun to be able to finally get out there to show them some love. You know, a decent time kickoff, 4 o'clock for them. Um, you know, it was, it was, I'm, I'm very grateful. I know the team was, and it meant a lot to us, you know. So if they had them a little further down the stands, it'd been a little louder, could have felt them a little more, but. Georgia Southern was smart putting them all the way up because it might have been a much different story if they were further down. So, um, but greatest fans in the world, man. It was so fun to be out there and play for those guys. What type of reception do you expect in Southern California, knowing that ticket prices are dropping because there's not a lot of hype around USC football and BYU fans seem to be clamoring to scoop up those tickets? 
I mean, we're expecting to see a blue. You know, I hope I hope all the fans are on board. I hope we fill the entire stadium with BYU fans, man. It'll be fun. So, uh, as always, we expect a lot of love, a lot of appreciation, great attendance from our fan base. Um, so we're looking forward to it. It'll be a fun, fun atmosphere to play in the Coliseum, all the history around it, and then just have our fans there with us and our families. It'll be a good time. Jaron, let's finish with a football question, and this is for you individually. You said that you've been taking it more seriously, and clearly – it's paying off. You've been very efficient. You worked with John Beck. The numbers have showed up in that regard. Where do you feel like you have improved the most as a quarterback over the course of this season from early September to now late November? Um, I think getting more comfortable early on in the past game, um, just trusting myself, trusting the guys around me, um, and then just doing a good job taking care of the ball as a team, honestly. Um, turnover rate's been great for us. I think that's why we won as many games as we have. So. You throw the ball efficiently against the teams we play and you take care of the ball. It's a great uh, it's a great recipe to win a lot of games. It also helps to have the Nakua brothers too, I'm sure, right? Absolutely. Two <laughs> Nakua brothers, Neil Gunner, uh, Tyler Pini. I mean, hey, you look at that, you look at that recipe, that's a recipe for disaster for for defenses. So it's a it's a fun team to be a part of. Yes. Here's to a recipe for disaster for USC. And uh, emphasis on the recipes in Thanksgiving week. Hey, Jaron, enjoy that pistachio pie, man. Uh, we'll see you in Southern California. Thanks for the time, my friend. Thank you. Jaron Hall, one-on-one, BYU Sports Nation All Access. A couple of things from that interview really stood out. And one is his approach to the game as a quarterback and viewing it as an opportunity to take care of his family for a long time. So knowing that, it's like, okay, I see why he gave up baseball. He went all in on football. And Definitely more lucrative. He wants given what he saw with Zach last year. Yeah, he's he's set the goal and the bar at the highest level. He wants to be an NFL quarterback, and got a ways to go. But I like that serious approach from Jaron Hall. He's he's taking this to a new mental level. Yeah, and it just saw Taysom Hill get a twenty-two and a half million dollar contract. Who so doesn't not, want that? It's hard not to be swayed by those two who have played under Kalani Sitake, right? They have twenty plus mil guaranteed contracts. That's crazy, right? Um, Cougar stats put out yesterday. Jaron Hall has 13 pass plays of at least 40 yards this year. Zach Wilson had 14 last year. That's pretty crazy. Uh, the explosiveness of this offense has been awesome. And then I loved what he said, which we've been talking about, which is turnovers have changed the season for BYU. The ability to take care of the football, to take it away a couple of times. Think about it. If BYU doesn't turn it over or take it away a couple of times against Georgia Southern, who knows how that game is at the end. I still think BYU wins, but – those influence the game. BYU wins 17 at Certainly. plus two. Certainly. What if it's even? Is it a seven-point game with Georgia Southern with the ball? Like, oh, my gosh. BYU's done a really nice job this year in that department. 2016, BYU had 31 takeaways. Able to stay in every game at least. Like, it can be an equalizer. Because I think that BYU's been the better team in most of the games, if not all, that BYU's played this year. But when you're plus one or two in turnover margin, you – uh, you create an inability for the other team to really maximize the game against you. Just give me a minus two against Boise State, and then you wonder what happens. I know. It's yeah. painful. It it's is. It's painful. That that game is going to keep BYU out of the New Year's Ooh, I don't know. I don't, we'll discuss that with David Nixon. Because David bailed cause, out. Because David has the answer. Like, uh, yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Google Whip Round is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. 
All right, our own Spencer Linton uh, has produced. The blonde kid. Yes, the according <laughs> to one guy on Twitter. <laughs> Spencer has produced his games that affect BYU's New Year's Six inclusion, and there's a lot that goes into that scenario yeah. to get BYU in. He puts a list of all the teams and whether who needs to win uh, to, in order. And, and and he put out another one too. Yes. that was ten of the ideal scenario. Yes. So so yeah. there's it's it's very very well thought very out. Very well thought out. Yep. Here's yep. the question. Which is more complicated? Is it football's path to the New Year's 6 or following the multiverse in Marvel uh, movies? <laughs> Probably the multiverse, but it's close. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of scenarios that have to go for BYU to uh, get into the New Year's 6. I unfortunately don't see it. I think BYU would be one or two teams out. Um, you can thank the Boise State game for that, but yeah, uh, complicated, both of them. Yeah, yes. yeah. for me, look, I, I'm not expecting New Year's Six. I do think there's a decent chance BYU gets a bowl upgrade. Oh, it will happen. Yeah, so I mean. There's a, BYU, has a, BYU has a relationship with ESPN. Yes. They're not a, the average team. Yeah, so ESPN like, will absolutely hook BYU I, up with something better if BYU I think wins if Saturday. I think it, when BYU wins on Saturday, I think BYU could go ahead and plan on not being in the Independence Bowl. I have disconnected from the Independence Bowl emotionally. Whether, whether it's New Year's Six, that remains to be seen. I, I'm not planning on that. Yeah. Just because I, I, I think that there will be other people that will get the opportunity probably ahead of BYU. Yeah. I, whether they should or shouldn't, we can debate that. Yeah. But I, I think that's probably how it will play out. you got to have one loss. Zero or one losses to feel confident in the New Year's Six opportunity. BYU is two. That's where we're at. By the way, Joe Lenardi, fresh bracketologist morning. BYU is the seventh seed. Surprise, BYU is a seven. If you're Ooh. just going by what they've done this year, I would think BYU is like a four or five based on the Oregon performance. But that's just me. That wraps up the Cougar Whip The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are discussing the New Year's Six multiverse scenarios today for BYU football. Pause. Finally last night I gave in. I said, welcome to the party. Said, maybe. Well, hold on. Woo! I'm not all in, but I'm like, maybe there's a shot here. Well, we'll talk about it. it it's interesting. I'm really hope things play out for BYU. Um, if they don't, then it's like, Ugh. so close, so close. But there's a shot here, man. I've been moving pieces in my mind for the past month looking at, okay, if this happens and this happens or this doesn't happen and this team wins and this conference champion comes to fruition, then just maybe BYU sneaks in. This now, is what because I we're getting closer, yeah. they're yeah. number 13, we think, and we've been saying for a long time, hey, just be in the top 12. It's not that simple. No, no it's not. Because there are a couple of potential conference champions below the number 12 mark that would essentially be Let's call them Steelers. Let's call them displaced Power Five. Yes, of so, top twelve spots. So when there's a, a a bowl game that has an affiliation, so Rose is Big Ten, Pac twelve, Sugar's SEC, Big Twelve, Orange is ACC versus either Big Ten, SEC, or Notre Dame. If they if that's one of the playoff semifinals, which uh, you know this year is uh, which ones? It's it's Cotton and Orange. So Orange is uh, ACC. Yeah, ACC. Cotton is at largest. Um, typically, right? No, no, no. It's SEC Big Twelve. Yep. So those would be displaced unless they're in there, right? Um, in some form, which is the is the case except for the Big Twelve. 
But the Big 12 is going to find its way into the sugar, and they have three in the top 12 right now. Anyway, so, yes, I, I've discovered there's Power 5 subs. So, so Virginia got into the Orange Bowl a couple years ago because Clemson was in the playoff. Okay, there's those. And then there's displaced Power 5 champs. Those are the issues that BYU has to deal with. Then if it's just straight out large, BYU's got a shot. But you've got to be probably in the, um, you know, 10 or 11th just to have a shot. Yeah, yes. it's all explained on the graphic. Yeah. So the I've only I've only really found the last like five or six years where when you don't if you didn't have one of the two scenarios I mentioned, power five sub or displaced uh, power five, where just like straight at large got in that was like eleven plus. It was LSU in 2018. They were the third SEC team to get in as an at large. So once you check the boxes of like the conference affiliate, the playoff teams, the conference affiliation, and then the P5 subs and the displaced uh, teams, then if there's an opening and BYU's probably has to be in the top 10, then great, BYU's got a shot. I'm not sure it'll work out, but I really hope so because all the scenarios that you've been laying out of teams in front of BYU, teams behind BYU, hopefully it happens. But that's what BYU has to deal with. Right now, there are 16 teams, I have figured, that have any sort of hope More ice cream. of getting into one of the 12 spots. It's down to 16. There are 16 possible college football teams mm-hmm. to fill the 12 New Year's Six at-large spots. And BYU right now, it would seem, based on the rankings, at number 13, but the ACC champ behind BYU and Utah potentially yeah. coming in as the Pac-12 champ behind BYU for an automatic berth. All they have to do is win one game. Then that means BYU really is at least two spots out. So I feel like the Cougars have to be at least number 11 to feel like they have a legitimate shot to get an at-large spot. Cincinnati getting into the college football playoff, which they are projected to do so right now. Yep. And so many of you have been saying, Spencer, it's a pipe dream. The committee doesn't want to give money to a G5 school. They don't want to give that college football playoff luster away. Well, here they are because of attrition. And people are saying, well, what if Michigan could jump them? Yes, if Michigan beats Ohio State, but I yes. don't think that's going to happen. But then Ohio State just goes where Michigan is now. So that, that wouldn't affect that. It feels like Cincinnati – is an odds-on favorite based on what's remaining for the Bearcats and everybody oh. else around them. Oh, look at us. We got odds yeah. now. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so here are your games to watch. And these are in no particular order of importance. They're all important at this point. Wisconsin is the team behind BYU. They are at Minnesota. Yeah. It would help BYU, sure, and prevent the Badgers from jumping BYU potentially if they lost at Minnesota. However... Michigan State, Penn State. Man, can the Nittany Lions do the Cougars a favor? The game I am all in on right now is Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oh, Cougar yeah. Cougar fans, root for the Cowboys. Well, there are three Big 12 teams out of BYU. At least one is going to get out of the root, way. Yeah. Root for the Cowboys and then root for the Cowboys to beat Baylor in the Big 12 championship game the first Saturday in December because that would give Baylor three losses. And now we're talking about, okay, the head-to-head doesn't matter as much when you don't have the same number of losses, especially if the team that beat you has more losses than you. That's kind of where it gets all muddled. Yeah, I believe at least one of those Big 12 teams will fall behind BYU. 
Oregon could lose to Oregon State. Are the Ducks broken after what happened against Utah and Salt Lake City? Oregon State's only a six and a half point dog. Oregon State beat Utah. And there is unbelievably a scenario where if Oregon State beats Oregon and Washington State beats Washington this week, the Washington State Cougars will play Utah in the Pac 12 championship. Yeah. Which would be, as you pointed out in our conversation Wait, this morning, Joey isn't going to be in that game. Okay. The best case scenario for the Cougars yeah. of BYU, yes. because then if the two teams in the Pac-12 championship game have both lost head-to-head against BYU. That would be a conversation point for the committee the for BYU's New Year's Six. Like, if if Baylor's out of it, that's great. If Baylor's in it, it that may even let, – let's say Baylor wins the Big 12. That actually might be okay for BYU. You say, listen, BYU has two losses. One of them is to the Big 12 champ, and BYU beat the Pac-12 champ, hopefully. Like – BYU's a good team. I, I, I think that could actually be in favor of BYU. It's either all in for Baylor or get out of the way. There's no, like, middle ground. I see what you're saying with three losses, but I would argue that maybe if they win the Big 12, that's a good thing too. I'm really interested in, in kind of what checks out because since – so, uh, dumbing it down. Since he's got to be in the, the playoff. Yep. And then uh, I think BYU needs to be in the top 10. 11 is going to be uh, sweaty, right? If you're in the top 10, it's still sweaty. But you got to—I sh- don't think so. In the you, top ten, I don't think you, at all. You, you got a shot. You, you just got to hope that the the Power Five subs and the displaced Power Five work out. Because again, I've looked the past six years. There's only one team that wasn't Power Five sub or displaced Power Five that got an at, at large in that situation. That was eleven plus, not not including Group of Five. So that's that's the trend. Is you got to at least be in the top ten. If you're going to be straight at large, Notre Dame's going to beat Stanford and take an at large spot. In fact, yeah, Yahoo no, Sports Notre had Notre Dame, Dame yeah. playing BYU in the Peach Bowl, which I don't think is going to happen, but it's a fun thought. Fiesta Bowl has been obsessed since '74 with the idea of BYU being in there at some point. In 01, it didn't work out. Luke Staley breaks his leg. Fiesta wants BYU. We know Phoenix knows that BYU would sell the them. presence we there. We know that. There would be 40,000 BYU fans in the Fiesta Bowl. Oh, it'd be, yeah, it'd be 40,000 and two because you and I would be there. Holy yeah, cow. It would, yes, it would be incredible. And one more thought on the Baylor situation. The only thing that concerns me there is if Baylor wins the Big 12 and Oklahoma State has two losses, now you have two Big 12 teams with two losses that are both above BYU. Not good for the Cougars. BYU needs two Big 12 teams to drop below them to feel even more comfortable about getting an at-large spot. Yeah, I think one of those teams gets out of the way. You think Oklahoma State, if they beat Oklahoma and then lose in the Big 12 championship? See, I don't think they would drop below BYU. Bedlam happens, so someone's going to lose again. Right, I think Oklahoma needs to be the team that loses. Well, if Oklahoma loses, yeah, then they're – because they're, what, three spots ahead of BYU. But I think there needs to be one more Big 12 team, either OSU or Baylor, and – uh, there's a scenario where both could still be above BYU if they play each other in the championship and Baylor wins it. Yeah, it, it, but if Baylor wins it, yeah. No, no, I, I see what you're saying. I just think one of those three will get out of the way. One for sure. Mm-hmm. I want two. A, yeah. <laughs> well, of course, one all three. But that's not happening. And yeah. Mike Leach, BYU alum, buddy, can you help us out? And Mississippi State wins the Egg Bowl and beats Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. That would also help BYU in a major way. Yeah, if there were only two SEC in the New Year's Six, that would be helpful. Because if they have a third, now we're going, right? I because, love this. Because, well, look, uh, one of them's going to play in the Sugar. It, like, if Georgia and Alabama are in the playoff, there's going to be another SEC team in the Sugar anyway. So I'm not sure it matters. Yeah, we'll see, and we'll see I'm, what I'm happens not, at I'm the not, college football playoff, I'm right? I'm not sure that matters. Yeah. yeah. 
Cincinnati getting in is a wash with two SEC teams being in the college football playoff. Like, Cincinnati just get into the top four. Yes. Create the extra at-large Go Bearcats, homies in arms, new Big 12. Our question of the day. Other than being grateful for BYU football and for ice cream, for everything that's happening in BYU athletics, we're going to take it a step further and say, hey, uh, why not share your thanks with somebody around your own Thanksgiving dinner table. Yeah, baby. If you could invite one BYU player or coach for Thanksgiving dinner, who would it be and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. <laughs> this is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Our question, our, our first response, rather, from at TashaLynn19 on Twitter. I'm having Thanksgiving at my brother's house, and he and his family are Utah fans. Oh, boy. If Coach Pope could come and give his recruiting speech, I'm confident our family would all be converted members of Cougar Nation before the pie comes out. Oh, my gosh. We're true. It worked for Colin that's, Chandler. That's true. So we made a big deal of last Saturday, right? Uh, <laughs> this Saturday, the stakes might even be higher. They are. I think they are. For the collective, the national championships for cross country certainly had the stakes high. But it's another Super Saturday. Let's lay it out. 6-0 women's basketball against number 22 West Virginia in St. Petersburg, Florida. I think either way, BYU women's soups might be ranked next week. If they win, for sure they'll be in next week. Elite 8 women's soccer versus South Carolina. Men's hoops at Utah, both undefeated. Shout out to Alma Richards. Number 13 football at USC going for 10 wins. So, Jason, will BYU finish November undefeated in all these sports? Look, here's why I love this question. Because it is a realistic possibility that this happens. And this always – I was thinking about this this morning. This kind of reminds me when a guy has the no-hitter. Yes. And you get into and the ninth about inning. It. Yeah. Talk to well, him. well, But it's not even just the talking about it. Like, how many times did things happen, like, right at the end? A guy has a no-hitter, <laughs> and then with, like, two outs, the, the other team gets a base hit or something. Look, BYU, with the exception of all of the things that you mentioned here, the only team that I don't believe is favored to win would be – Women's basketball. basketball. Because they're obviously an unranked team taking on a ranked team. Now, after beating Florida State, I'm not sure that it matters to BYU women's basketball. They're undefeated, playing well. They're going in with a ton of confidence. But the reason this is a fun topic is because it legitimately could happen. Because yeah. these teams are all so good, and they're favored to win. BYU soccer at home. Should be if there was a Vegas line. Yes, I would. I would say it's BYU by a goal, maybe going half. Yes, yeah. I, I look. I just expect, especially at home, I expect four at and four sold goals. out. Yes, it's going to be bunkers. I expect four goals. Can South Carolina keep up with BYU offensively? I don't think they can. Yeah, I think BYU. Yeah, it's B, a it's a multi goal game. BYU's yeah. attack is the strongest in the country. I just yes. don't see South Carolina coming to elevation no. and being able to run and compete offensively with BYU. By the soccer. way, they will have been on the road for a week and a half because yeah. they went yes. to LA yes. not knowing, thinking they were going to go to probably Virginia. Yeah. If they won, went through. Nope. Uh, they've been in LA at LMU this week. By yeah. the way. So not coming over. So uh, it, to answer the question, I'm answer gonna, the question. I'm going to say yes. I think I think it's possible. I think it's going to happen. I do. Those are two different thoughts. Your second one is stronger that it's going to happen. I also believe in our extremely biased opinion that it will happen. Yes. The the, the check says BYU at the end of the month. <laughs> yes, I think this will happen. The, the yeah, the one game where it's like okay, it's going to be perhaps closer or more interesting is women's. Yep. Sports. But I think women's hoops gets it done. I think BYU women's hoops top twenty. 
Like, they're legit good. They, I agree with you. They will gonna, be ranked next week regardless yes. of what happens in that game. Okay. I like that. Um, Elite Eight women's soccer. Men's hoops at Utah. Utah is probably better than we thought in the early going. Granted, they haven't played the toughest schedule in the world. Uh, Larry Kriskoviak lined up uh, for Craig Smith. Abilene Christian, Sac State, Bethune-Cookman. BC, respectable. Tulsa, uh, you know, Rhode Islander. Um, so, yes, no loss November has gone really well so far. Men's hoops looking great. Football. Football is the interesting one. Let's talk about football. So, two lines of thought. Trains of thought on Utah. One is this. Wait, remember in 2019 when BYU beat US? Uh, sorry, USC. Remember when BYU beat USC? That was a seven and six BYU. That was an eight and five Utah uh, uh, USC. USC was better then than they are now, and so is BYU. So why wouldn't BYU win now? Okay, that's one thought. Why wouldn't BYU win that? Vegas says BYU by seven. The other thought is, it's USC. <laughs> yes, uh, they're always talented. Whether yes. they want to show up, they certainly didn't last week, giving up 62 to showing up this UCLA. season. They're they're coachless. Motivationless. It's it's tough right now. Um, Vic Soto's on the other side. Shout out to Vic, former Cougar player, D line coach. I see BYU winning this game. Um, BYU's going to take care of the Pac-12. That could be an amazing, an amazing uh, undefeated record against USC. And I um, see BYU winning this game by more than seven. Yeah, I do too. I, I think it could be at least ten. Yeah, I could see where this one's closer than we think, but BYU still probably. Wins. I don't really care. What the margin is? Yes. If BYU beats USC, I'm happy. Like I don't, I don't really care what the margin is there. And then BYU's men's hoops going to go up to Utah and win that game too. Look, you, and, and I, don't, I haven't seen like an actual line on it. Look, but there's no line out yet. But, but you're talking about a ranked team in BYU at number 18 against an unranked team. Now I get it. It's at Utah. It's on the road. I totally get all that. But uh, ESPN's BPI, I think, had BYU favored like 57. percent And BYU should absolutely be favored to go to Utah and win that game. Yes, Ken Palm says it's a two-point game, so he thinks it's a close game. I, I, and we'll talk about this coming up with Caleb Lohner. Um, the rebounding battle will be really interesting. It's a strength for both teams. Yes. Now, BYU's schedule has been tougher than Utah's. Yes. So BYU's been more battle-tested. You talk about uh, the five games, four against D1 competition. Of those four D1s, all of them went to the NCAA tournament last year, including San Diego State and Oregon. So that's going to be a battle, too. All of these games, really compelling. Really compelling. I, I cannot wait for tomorrow. It's going to, well, live for today, but look ahead to tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Imagine how great Sunday's going to be, walking in with your BYU gear after after BYU beats Utah in basketball. I live in Mapleton. Everyone's a BYU. Well, I, I live in Vineyard. It's all, you know, it's the same thing. Spencer lives in Saratoga. It's a little more mixed. But, I mean, like walking into church with your BYU tie on, BYU women's soccer going to the going to the the, the final four. You're the BYU you, tie guy. Yeah, I will be. Nice. Yeah, nice. I, I have I haven't had one for a couple years because it was a little wide, and I've gotten away from the wide ties. So You're I've been a skinny look, tie guy now. No, I've been not not skinny, skinnier oh. than what it was. I've been looking skinny for jeans? one. No, 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 no. But I finally found a skinnier BYU tie at the BYU store. Okay. Official fan or official outfit or BYU fans everywhere, and so I got it. So I'm I'm back in on the BYU tie. Nice. Yes. Okay. See. There you go. It's going to no, be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to no be a good ties weekend. ties tomorrow, all wins. Could be technically be a tie with soccer if they go to PKs or something. Our question of the day, what's the biggest game for BYU tomorrow? We're keeping it simple. Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response, Paul Johnson on Twitter. You can weigh in on Facebook and Instagram as well. Even with the small and shrinking chance at a New Year's Six. Oh, yeah, that. Football wins this, followed by w- women's soccer. Beating the team up north in basketball would be great, but we're used to that now. <laughs> <laughs> but BYU beats Utah so consistently in basketball, we're not like, 
hey, got to show up. We're like, we expect to win there. Big game, but it's it's lessened by the fact that BYU has been so good against Utah. It's interesting. It, it has been a very, very long time that when the other sports beat Utah, you can say just like football. That's right. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been now, a while. Now, two years ago, Utah won an overtime against BYU. Yes. The only child's cramps up. Yep. Can't, he's having the game of his life. Utah ends up taking down the Cougars there. So BYU lost its last game in the Huntsman Center. Got to go up there and uh, rectify that. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Former BYU and NFL linebacker David Nixon, part of our Countdown to Kickoff crew, and the brother-in-law of a man who just racked in $22.5 million guaranteed for a unique hybrid contract. Yeah. Is he paying for dinner every time now? Golf is on taste for the next 10 years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's paying my, all my green fees from here on out. We, Let we, it be noted. We were trying to – yeah, green being the operative color there. Uh, we were trying to figure out, like, in, in NFL history, the biggest guaranteed money – so Steve Young, the $40 million man, that's got to be number one, right? With BYU guys, yeah. Yeah, with BYU guys. We don't care about anybody else. Um, <laughs> uh, Zach Wilson, 23 and a half. Taysom, 22 and a half. We were wondering about Fred Ziggy. Warner, what did Fred get? Fred was, got. Was Fred in that I space, I thought he was like too? 40. 40. Wasn't 40 he 40 or 50? Right, he was 40. He's, okay. It's a $95 yeah. million dollar contract, yeah. but Fred I want to say Fred like was big money. Guaranteed. Okay, th- that's why we brought you on. Thanks yes. for coming on. Yeah. Coming up. No, uh, <laughs> no big time. It's a big time. Big yeah. time. And the validation of the value he brings, yeah. even if he's not the starter, is really high. Yeah, it goes to show you what Sean, how Sean Payton and the whole Saints organization values him. And, and, and to your point, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter being like, oh, I can't believe this money. The thing is, Taysom is setting a market that has never existed. And, and I'm in commercial real estate, so we talk a lot about comps, right? Like comps on certain buildings or, or you know, you talk about comps on homes. Shout out to Jim Balderson. <laughs> there you go. The thing, with, the thing with Taysom, there's no other comp. He set the market. There's nobody else like Taysom in the entire NFL that can go in and play quarterback last year and go 3-1 as a starter. Uh, he can come in this year, score touchdowns on the goal line. They'd love to go to him. Uh, he can block. He can go out for passes. He can run. The, I mean, he, there, there's nobody else like him. So when you go to say, I can't believe he got this much money, so-and-so got this much, there's nobody you can compare him to. Uh, and I think that's why, since he's so unique, that's why he gets compensated the way he's getting compensated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. I mean, he's, it's well-deserved. The guy's been through everything. I mean, even this year he's been banged up. Um, and uh, for him to get compensated that way, is, it's awesome. We're obviously pretty stoked for him. Yeah, absolutely. I saw a Falcons fan, longtime rivals of the Saints, say, $22.5 million guaranteed for Walmart Tim Tebow. And then Saints fans were like, you mean Tim Tebow's Walmart Taysom yeah. Hill? Yes. Yeah, if, no, if, if you're a Falcons fan, you need to sit this conversation out. <laughs> After he torched you twice last year. So just yeah. go ahead and sit exactly. this one out. Exactly. Fred Warner, $40.5 mil guaranteed. I love that half mil because it means he got more than Steve. Well, there you go. There <laughs> that's you probably, that's probably the top of mind. He's like, hey, as a Niners guy, just one request yeah. <laughs> from the USFL situation, yeah. which is coming back, by the way. So we had an interesting conversation about Taysom earlier in the show. And to Jerem's point, it, we should enjoy what's happening. It is unique. It is awesome. But admittedly for me, there is a piece knowing that Taysom wants to be a starting quarterback where I'm like, it just feels like there's something missing there. And so – Admittedly, I'm enjoying what he's doing, but I want for his sake, especially with Trevor Simeon starting in New Orleans, 
for Taysom Hill to get that shot. Because I'm looking at, he started four games last year. He won three. of What has he done to not deserve to be the starter in New Orleans right now? Yeah, be, be injured? Yeah, I think, I think some issue? injuries, some, some, uh, he's dealing with some stuff. I, I, think, I think he'll get a shot. I'll just say that. I think he'll get a shot at some point this season to be the starter. Um, I think Good. He's, I think he's getting through injuries and dealing with uh, just dealing with things like that. That, but I think his time will come. Um, in the meantime, it is tough. I'll, I'll be honest. If you if you're Sean Payton, it is tough because Taysom does bring so much to the to the field as uh, to the game and to the team as kind of this hybrid player, right? Um, and, and when you get a guy like Trevor Simeon, who you know has been a starter in the NFL, and you can keep Taysom on the field at the same time, that's a huge plus. And, and we we know that Sean loves to move him around and, and use him as that you know Swiss Army knife and, and use him as that weapon uh, all throughout the field. So um, I, I can see the the predicament that Sean's in because he's got a guy that started. He wants to keep Taysom on the field. You take Taysom as quarterback, and now you've eliminated one, eliminated one player. And it's no secret that the Saints are dealing with issues, health issues across the whole board, offense and defense. And so when you take that all into account, I, I understand where he's coming from. But uh, Taysom wants to play quarterback, obviously. I think his time will come this year, uh, maybe sooner than later. We'll see. Uh, but, uh, you know, but at the same time, I, I was texting with Taysom yesterday. Hey, he's happy. You know, you get, you get your payday, and uh, he's, he's, he's happy with where he's at. <laughs> of course he's happy, baby. 22 and a half mil, let's go. Yeah. Um, I know he wants to play more, and he's so competitive, and the fact that he's gone from undrafted, um, you know, free agent to this point is just tremendous. Like, only Ziggy rivals the zero to hero, like, range there, which is pretty crazy. Okay, let's, uh, in the final couple minutes here, let's talk BYU and USC. 10 and 2 up for grabs. USC no slouch, though. If you just look at the numbers, USC stinks. But then you look at the jersey and you go, oh, wait, it's USC. You played against USC, right? I did. Freshman year? Yeah, I played in the Coliseum. I, that, was, uh, that was one of my games there. So, I, yeah, that's the scary thing about this USC team is, yeah, their record shows that they, they've struggled. And obviously the coaching carousel with, with head coach gone and, and all that. The, the, the tough thing about USC is the talent because if those guys want to show up and play – they can blow anybody off the field. It's the question is, do they want to show up and play? And, that, and, and that's, that's been the biggest question mark for USC this whole season is, which team's going to show up? And I think that's the scary thing for BYU. I saw a quote from the head coach of USC right now, the interim head coach, where he said, hey, we're treating this as, like a, as a bowl game and a playoff game in the sense that we've got to win the next two to become bowl eligible and get to play an extra game. They had a rescheduled game with Cal after this. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I think uh, there's a lot right on the line for them as players, and so I think they're going to come out with a little added, added motion. And so if I'm BYU, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just a little cautious going this game knowing that the record, their records doesn't show their ability and what they can actually produce on the field. So uh, I think BYU hopefully will be prepared. It's a, it's a great game. I, I, I love this game. Despite their record, it's yep. still USC at the end of the day. Amen. David, I fully expect BYU to be number 13 when the new college football playoff rankings are revealed tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN. And just in front of them, probably Michigan State and Oregon, based on those two lopsided losses by those teams earlier uh, <laughs> this week. Crazy stuff. <laughs> they got destroyed. If BYU's at number 13, and given what is scheduled to happen with some attrition over the next few weeks, conference championship Saturday in the first week of December, do you believe BYU legitimately has New Year's Six hopes? I give it 50-50. I, I think, that high? Yeah, I think, I think BYU has a shot at it. If everything falls into place 
and there's still a lot of football to be played with conference championships, like you said. Um, and these last few weeks can get nutty, right? As far as end of the season, guys are dealing with injuries, guys are sitting out, et cetera. Um, you know, we saw with Oregon, Oregon had their two best receivers, two of their three best receivers Great. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, everyone's dealing with these issues at this point in the season. So it can get a little crazy. I, I, think, I think there's a shot that for sure BYU could find their way into it. I think it's a long shot, so maybe 50-50 might be a little high. I mean, maybe that's more wishful thinking. For a man but, who uh, understands odds. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would love to see them find a way to be in a, in a New Year's Six. Obviously, all of us would. Yeah. But I'm also confident that if they take care of business this week, uh, I think ESPN and Tom Homo, I think they'll find a way to be in a better bowl that, uh, than the Independence Bowl. BYU has not accepted Independence, which tells you everything. Yeah. Obviously, holding out for New Year's Six or something better. Awesome. David, great to hear from you, my friend. Uh, after further review, we look forward to it. I just need my cowbell. Where'd my cowbell go? <laughs> I, need I need more cowbell and gold records. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Rod Gilmore back on the program. Third time this season? As BYU goes back into the the Pac-12. Yes, Rod, you're, you're our Pac-12 savant. Welcome back to the program. You guys banned me for the last month, man. It's nice to be back. <laughs> it's good to be back in the Power 5 uh, you know, Pac-12 game, which is good. Rod, we're seeing BYU with a potential of going 5-0 and against the Pac-12 if they can beat USC on Saturday in the Coliseum. We are fascinated by what type of atmosphere is going to be there for the home team, because mm. the juice is not good. What kind of atmosphere are you expecting between USC and BYU from the Trojans' side? I, I, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I'm not sure what the the fans are going to be like, what the attendance is going to be like. It's a night game in L.A., and I think it's very clear that USC friends, uh, fans are frustrated. Um, they're really focused on who the next coach is going to be. I think that I think that's getting most of the attention. But I think the other thing is, I mean, USC is clearly embarrassed about their performance against their rival, you know, UCLA. UCLA hung what sixty three points up on them. So my my guess is that you will get a spirited USC team. That the players are embarrassed by what happened last week, and that they'll be focused as far as the atmosphere and the fans and how they show up and what the, the noise will be like, that's anyone's guess. But I, I think that that team is so embarrassed by last week that they'll be dialed in. Yeah, Dorian Thompson-Robinson was incredible, including a hurdle late in the game. That was just like one of the plays of the year in college football. Okay, USC, obviously a team with talent. No one's ever questioned the talent of USC. But the execution and some notable injuries, Drake London among them, Keaton Slovis, obviously Jackson Dart's a local kid that went to the same high school as Zach Wilson after Zach, which is interesting. There are some connections. The D-line coach is Vic Soto. He played at BYU. It's an interesting one, and one we've circled for a while, but it's not a gimme. I think BYU fans understand that too, Rod. What do you think of this matchup and BYU's trying to go out on a high note in the regular season because New Year's Six possibilities still exist? Well, um, I think I think it's a great matchup. Anytime you have you know programs with this history, you know this stature playing each other, uh, they don't play very often. This is only the fourth meeting. You know, playing in LA and in the Coliseum, I think for BYU is a really cool deal. I think that's kind of fun. Um, but in terms of the actual matchup, we have to keep in mind that the USC offense with with Drake London out the last few weeks, it's really not the same offense. They are not nearly as explosive 
or relying on a dominant player, you know, as they have been. Um, and Jackson Dart is a freshman quarterback. I don't know that we will see Keaton Slovis at any point. We might, we might not, not enough information yet. But, you know, you've got a young quarterback who is exciting. Um, he can make plays with his feet. He moves around great. He's got a great arm. He's a little bit more of kind of a, you know, let it hang out kind of quarterback. He'll take more chances. And in a game like that, you know, it doesn't take much, you know, for a guy to get loose and to make a couple of big plays and all of a sudden you're in a dogfight. So I think offensively, you know, we could see some good stuff out of USC. They're just really struggling on defense. You know, they're giving up big plays on the back end. They've had trouble stopping the run. So when you look at the matchups, you start looking at it and you go, huh, okay, well, offensively, you know, BYU should probably be able to run the ball. Um, you know, the two tight end sets should be a problem for USC. Some of the matchups on the back end, you know, down the field might be an issue. But again, I, I wrapped that all in the, they were so embarrassed by last week. Who knows what you got to get this week? They may have the most spirited defensive performance that they've had all season after the way they played last week. Rod Gilmore of ESPN is with us on BYU Sports Nation. He will call the game between BYU and USC on Saturday night. Maybe you just answer the question, Rod, but who's the best player on this USC side right now? Is it Jackson Dart, at least among the healthy guys? Huh. Well, the most talented player is Drake Jackson, uh, their fine outside linebacker defense then. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, because, you know, he's likely a first or second round pick in the draft if he leaves, and I would assume he's going to leave. Uh, but last week, they they didn't use him as they normally have. I mean, he was primarily a, a, a third down pass rushing specialist while well, he normally has been an every down player. So I'm not sure what's going on there, uh, but there's no question that he is their most talented player on defense and probably their highest rated uh, player on the team right now for the upcoming draft. Um, but offensively, I think clearly um, Jackson Dart is the focus um, he can make guys, you know, play better. He can create things, you know, on the outside, you're probably looking at Gary Bryan, who's kind of taken over as the wide receiver that they focus on the most. He's not nearly like, uh, like London. I mean, he's not a big guy. He's, he's six feet, 180 pounds. He's back, got great speed, great change of direction. He can get deep, but that's a different kind of guy than what they had with, uh, with Drake London. So, you know, those are the ones that come to mind right off the bat that you say you have to game plan for, be aware of as to who might make the most impact. I'll be six uh, foot 185 probably after Thanksgiving. But uh, Keontae, uh, <laughs> Keontae Ingram is a really good running back. We've had our eye on him. He kind of got banged up in the game too. So I'm wondering how much he's going to play. We did want to ask you about BYU in the New Year's Six. There's an outside shot. BYU's at 13, kind of looking on the outside in, but – there's certain scenarios that could play out where BYU is potentially in. What do you think of BYU's chances at the New Year's Six? Uh, why do you want to make me the bad guy? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you want to make me the bad guy? We need a naysayer, Rod. There I, always no, has to be a naysayer. I, I've been the naysayer until this week where I thought, okay, listen, BYU's probably not going to get in, but there is a chance. So you don't feel there's a chance? Look, it's this is just a weird year, and you have to keep in mind – you know, the playoff. I mean, right now we're looking like in, in terms of the playoff, the Pac-12 is out, the ACC is out, and there's a chance that the Big 12 might be out. Yeah. I mean, if Cincinnati gets in and you have two SEC teams and the Big 10 team, you have three 
Pac-3 uh, Power 5 teams that don't get into the playoff. And the notion that you'd go one more step and take a Power 5 team out of a New Year's Six, I just, I just see that that's, that's a hard, hard thing to have happen. I, I, I don't see sure. that happening. Now, if Cincinnati doesn't get in and the Big 12, you know, is in uh, the playoff, maybe that makes it more possible. But this is a tough year. You've got to see at least two Power 5 conferences on the outside looking in with the playoff. And I, I think it's, it's going to be tough to, you know, bring an outsider, an independent, you know, into the New Year's Six. Plus, you know, Notre Dame is sitting out there too. Yeah, the Notre Dame thing definitely complicates the scenario for a team like BYU yeah. as well as BYU technically right now not being a Power 5 team. But we'll see how it plays out. I mean, we're looking at the Pac-12, Rod. There's a scenario where if Oregon loses to Oregon State this weekend and Washington State beats Washington, Washington State could play Utah for a Pac-12 championship. This this year That's is right. insane. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. It's bizarre. I mean, you know, Oregon had everything rolling their way. Um, I mean, clearly the loss to Stanford hurt them, but it didn't eliminate them. It just reduced their margin of error. Um, but the notion that they were going to face Utah twice in a three-week period and win both those games, very few of us thought that that was going to be a likely outcome. Beating a team twice is hard in three weeks and beating a really good Utah team twice or is just, you know, it was going to be impossible, but we were surprised at just how dominant Utah was in that game. So now you got Oregon that, you know, has opened the door for Oregon state and for Washington state, who knows how that's going to turn out. I have no idea how the ducks are going to react uh, to uh, the Utah loss. Um, so this week is going to be just crazy, but look, when you, you think about what's left for New Year's Six and you start thinking, can BYU get in? You know, you want things to be as much status quo. If you're rooting, you're rooting for Notre Dame to find a way into the playoff. You're rooting for the Big 12 to get a team into the playoff. If you get those things, maybe, maybe there's still a shot at a New Year's Six. But listen, like I said at the start, you're making me the bad guy because I don't <laughs> think it's really <laughs> No, it's it's probably not going to happen, uh, and that's the reality. But there's there's a tiny shot, and we're just going to cling to that yeah. because we don't want to go to the Independence Bowl. You know what I'm saying? But all good. Rod, yeah. we appreciate the time, man. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. Just have me back sooner, man. How did I get lost for a month? Come on. This I don't is, know. We, this is what I do, right? We, BYU games. We lost your number. We got it back. We're good. Yeah, we, uh, we <laughs> tracked right. it all down. Thanks, Rod. Take care, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Join the conversation. 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best coast conference. What a start to the men's college basketball season for the WCC, six teams currently in the Ken Palm Top 90. St. Mary's, our good friends from Moraga, beat Notre Dame last night. The most recent notable win for the WCC. So, Jerem, with those six teams ranked in the Top 90 of Ken Pomeroy's index, will the WCC be a three-plus bid league this year in the NCAA tournament? Three-plus? Uh, like four? Um, I'm hoping it's three. Um, I don't really 
it, if it helps BYU, sure. Last year was a two-bid league, and BYU still got a six, so it's not like you need three or four bids from the league for it to be good and for BYU to be good enough to get a single-digit seed. But right now it's going really well. The top five teams, 25-0 and combined. USF 6-0, Santa Clara 5-0, St. Mary's, of course, you mentioned, undefeated as well. So, and of course, number one, Gonzaga. That just goes without saying, right? Um, yeah, it's going well right now. Santa Clara is much improved. I watched a lot of that TCU game last night. Santa Clara has pounded Nevada, Stanford, and TCU now. Um, nice wins, right? Um, BYU's second best team, clearly. I, I didn't think there'd be this space where BYU would just like, totally be uh, you know, in a league of its own in the league above St. Mary's, but that's where we're at right now. Hopefully that continues. I think it will. But, yeah, it's, it's good. I think it's good. Ken Palm has West Coast Conference as the seventh-best league, which is where you want to be. You're not really going to crack the top six there. In college basketball, it's a power six situation with the power five conferences plus the Big East. So if you're the seventh league, that's the best possible spot you can be in in a situation like the West Coast Conference. So, so far, so good. And what I do like is every year the rhetoric is, oh, the league's better this year. Like literally every year. But we can quantify it yep. this year with Ken Palm, with BPI, with the actual records. Several quality wins yes. in those records. So it's, it's, it's uh, an opinion with research this year, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of just like opinions without research every time. Uh, sometimes you actually need some facts to back them up. Uh, the league is actually better this year. At Goodman Hoops tweeted in the following last night, Jeff Goodman, longtime college basketball insider, WCC Top 5, Gonzaga, BYU, St. Mary, San Francisco, Santa Clara, ACC Top 5, Duke, Virginia Tech, Florida State, North Carolina, Louisville. Then he says, it's not as crazy as you think, to make a case for the WCC. That blows my mind. We're talking about Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, those blue bloods of college basketball, and we're making a case that the WCC top five could be better than the ACC's top five? Holy cow. John the upper Rothstein. crust, not better, but, like, yeah, maybe four and five. John Rothstein added, the year of the WCC continues. St. Mary's upsets Notre Dame. We'll face Oregon on Tuesday. Team BYU just beat Randy Bennett. Our good friend Randy moves the needle in Sin City in Las Vegas at the Maui Invitational. Not really sure how that works, but yeah, they didn't COVID. Whatever. They didn't want to be in Maui. Jerem, this is impressive, and I don't think that the WCC is in a position to get four bids to the NCAA tournament right now. That'd be awesome. That would take something significant, like a San Francisco or a Santa Clara beating Gonzaga head to head, or beating BYU and St. Mary's and having two quality yes. wins against the other teams in the West Coast Conference, yeah. not named Gonzaga. Yeah, the last three years, an average of six non-Power 6 teams get in at large. Okay, Gonzaga wins the league. They're in. They're, they don't factor into that, right? But three years ago, St. Mary's won, or was it two, and Gonzaga got in at large. BYU has been in position or done it, COVID exception there, the last two years. One of those six teams. It's so one of those years was five teams. It's so hard to get an at large as a non power six. Do we think there's gonna be two or three of those from this league? We think there's going to be one, at least BYU, assuming BYU doesn't pull off the stunner in Vegas and win the West Coast Conference tournament. It's really hard. So when you three say three plus, eh, four feels it's never been four, by the way. Um, and Ever. I and I and I don't think it will be. It's been three, I think, three times. And that's, of course, included BYU and St. Mary's. 2012, BYU got a 14 seed. They were a three-bid league. We're the West Coast like Conference. maybe one of the last team in 
<laughs> like which was controversial. But hey, BYU pulled off yeah. a stunner and the greatest comeback in NCAA history at that point over Iona as a 14 seed. Who cares what happened against Marquette? <laughs> right? The following Big Crowder was on that team. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a three bid league to me. I think BYU and St. Mary's are going to accompany Gonzaga. I hope St. Mary's I, I don't does. Think that's I, a I still need to yeah, I I believe St. Mary's will restore its place, right, in the league. Last year was an off year. Last year was an off year for everybody in the there world. There are opportunities for a team like St. Mary's to go and pick a team off like BYU and add more to their resume. And it's like, oh, yeah, BYU, we were projected as a six seed. Gonzaga is the best team in college basketball. And St. Mary's just beat BYU. Uh, they're a nine seed, yeah. and they've got a couple of quality wins early in the non-con, including against Notre Dame last night. That's not happening. It, it, not beating Brigham. You don't, you don't think BYU is going to lose to St. Mary's? No. In Moraga. Even no. though BYU's only won there once. Twice, right? Oh, that's right, twice. I, I, it's double! Uh, no, I think BYU's really good this year, man. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. It feels like a yeah. three-bid league. No, no pro St. Mary's stuff here. Old Henri Herb at <laughs> Santa Clara doing his thing. <laughs> Last night they were talking about how he hasn't smiled since 92. <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Has Taysom Hill already cemented his legacy, or does he still need to be a consistent NFL starting quarterback? I'm looking at this from the perspective of if I am Taysom Hill, and oh, I know well, your he muscular wants to be, structure just changed. I know he wants to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Of course, there is something missing there, and he's an ultimate competitor. We've had conversations with him where he's made that very clear. David, he said Nixon, that publicly. We're going to talk to you today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. wants to be the starter. Sure. So as great as it is, and congratulations to Taysom Hill for getting a twenty-two and a half million dollar guarantee in a unique hybrid contract, not as a primary starting quarterback in the NFL. That tells you how much the Saints value what he does right now. They don't value him as a QB per se in the same way they value what he can bring. I said this like a month ago. I wasn't sure that, yeah, that him being a quarterback, and, and let's, let's step back for a sec. The Saints' standard's super high. If the Saints sucked, they would be like very comfortable throwing Taysom in there because, but right now they're like, no, 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 we got to win, we got to win, we need. An then experience. why are they playing Trevor Simeon? Well, that's uh, hold on, I was getting to that. Jameis Winston, they were like, okay, he's an experienced guy. Taysom started four games in his career. Let's go with Jameis. So it was like, okay, they value experience at that position more because to us, the BYU homers is well, why wouldn't you go with Taysom? Because Taysom's value is greater as a position player. When Trevor Simeon starts, part of that is reason because of a concussion and a foot, uh, a foot injury to Taysom, right? But the moment they play Trevor Simeon, I go, oh, they don't value Taysom as a quarterback as much as we thought. Why are they playing this clown? Like, I'm weirded out by that. Um, I thought that they valued Taysom as a quarterback, but they don't really. Uh, otherwise, they would play him over Trevor Simeon soon. So I, I, I think it's a little weird. I think he's cemented his legacy already. I think this contract sort of validates that. Why would they give him the second most guaranteed money in a contract? In, in is it maybe third to Steve Young's forty, and then Zach's twenty three and a half, and now twenty two and a half? Like those are some huge numbers, right? Yeah. What did Ziggy get? I'm not sure. The, who? Ziggy. Ziggy. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Um, I don't think it was twenty plus, but maybe it was. 
So it's like top five all time BYU NFL player. I I think that he could be a starting quarterback, but I think we're holding on to this pipe dream for no reason. I think we should just look at what Taysom is, which is a tremendously uh, you know u- utility knife. There, he can do whatever, and it's awesome. I don't think we need to be like, he's starter or bust. I think we're holding on to that, kind of like we did with Jimmer in the NBA for a while. It's like, why don't we just enjoy what he is um, with Taysom and Jimmer, right? Jimmer's a tremendous international player. He's not an NBA star, right? Taysom is not, an, uh, currently, an NFL starting quarterback. I'm not sure he will be consistently, and that's okay. Like, he's so, he's so unique. Let's just enjoy what he does, and congrats to Taysom for that contract. Sure, we can enjoy it, but if we're being frank, I am right. I just feel like Taysom Hill. I look at it from this perspective: Who gives you the better chance to win the game if you're the Saints right now? Do you really believe that Trevor Simeon, based on what has happened the past few weeks, gives you the best chance to beat your opponent if he's the starting quarterback? I want. I just don't see their it. actions. I do not get it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, well, I'm a little frustrated from our, again, our biased opinion here that that's, Taysom should be a that's starter. That's to me why it feels right? like there's something missing there because it feels like, no, 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 the no. The missing piece is the belief in Taysom as a starter. Yes. That's the missing piece. Yes. Like, and again, the Saints are too, almost too good for this situation. If Taysom was on the Jets, he'd be the starter. You know what I mean? Because the Jets suck. So they're more willing to hand it to a rookie like Zach, right? You, you draft him. Um, the Saints want to win. They've had Drew Brees forever, so they want to keep the standard. It ain't going to be Drew Brees. Taysom's not Drew Brees, right? And Neither Drew, is Jameis and certainly isn't Trevor. And Drew isn't Taysom. Um, but, yeah, it, it's tough. So I feel like, yeah, the hope. And, and I, I'm looking at what he did. Taysom Hill started four games last year. What happened in those four games? The Saints won three. Okay. Two were against the crappy Falcons. But, like, I do not he, care. Should he have. Well, hold on. We thought that Sean Payton was, uh, you know, the loving father. If what you has will. Taysom Hill done as a starting quarterback, regardless of opponent, to make you think, yeah, he's, he's not going to be the guy? It's Trevor Simeon. Well, he got hurt. That was the issue. If he wouldn't have been hurt, maybe he. he would he be the guy. starting guy right now if he didn't have a concussion? Maybe. It doesn't feel like it. Well, I. It, if he had been healthy, maybe he had started. Well, yeah. hopefully he'll be healthy at some point later in the season because then we'll know, right? It feels like they've not given up on the idea, but they're not big on it. Why? Obviously. I don't I don't know. Why? John Payton, what's the answer? I don't know. Our question of the day, has Taysom Hill already cemented his NFL legacy or does he need to be a starting quarterback in the league to do so? Let's hear from you, BYUSN and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At NunyaBU42620961 on Twitter. As I've stated what? before. What? what is this? You're allowed to change your handle. You well, don't maybe, have to maybe have this is a super significant eight uh, numbers meaning here. But whatever. <laughs> Taysom Hill says NunyaBU42620961. His legacy, overcoming four season-ending injuries at BYU, going yeah. undrafted, yeah. getting cut by the Green Bay Packers, working his way onto the New Orleans Saints roster, doing anything to get on the field, becoming one of the most unique players in history. His story is legendary. There's no question about that. But is there something missing there because he hasn't really been given a chance to be a primary starter in the league? During the Jimmer Fredette NBA thing, we all like clung to that for so long we didn't actually en- 
enjoy Jimmer as a player as much as we would have, I think. He's, he's not an NBA player. Like, Can't they be simultaneous, though? Can't you enjoy Taysom Hill for what he's doing and admire it and not wonder, why isn't he the starter in New Orleans? Wonder is different than Trevor Simeon. Wonder is different than, like, clamor for him to still be a starter. I think there's a difference where it's like, listen, he's not a starter. Get over it. Why, though? That's I I'm don't want to get over it because I don't understand it. I, I don't think you can fully enjoy <laughs> it if we live in that space. That's all I'm saying. Hashtag BYU's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.